Yeah, as I uh, briefly mentioned, uh, big, our previous humanoid robots had big flat plates as feet, right? And those are good if you're doing position control on smooth, hard, even surfaces. But if it's not that kind of condition, then it's not good. As you can imagine, if a rough surface and a rigid plate, you know, you, your contact point is unpredictable and changes. So you, the next, the more the recent uh, generation robots, uh, dynamic robots, you see a lot of point feet. And because it's a point contact, it's much easier to model. Uh, we wanted to do a little bit go beyond that. So we have pretty small feet. So our feet, do I have it here? It's the size of a finger or a pen, right? So we have two, two feet like this. So that was our original design. And we have a silicone uh, uh, molding case, uh, or, or like a slipper over that finger-sized uh, foot. And that's what we've been uh, uh, using. And then our result was, let me show you quickly show you some. Oh, but I also have a lot of blooper videos <laughs> that I have not shown. Let me see. The feet are very slippery. Let me show you it again. Right? They're slippery. Uh, so we decided to one day we said, oh, what, you know, shoes, athletic shoes, sneakers are designed for these kind of tasks. It's optimized for that. So why not just use sneakers? Uh, so we put on a sneaker. We just need to, uh, you know, 3D print out a simple insert from that aluminum metal finger size foot to the foot shape. We just is put it on and, you know, it took us like a few hours and we put a shoe on. It walks and it walks much better. The grip is great, much more stable, much more faster. So like, uh, so if you've been in this field for bipedal locomotion, you probably know that every time you change the slightest thing, link length, mass property, something different, you have to change all the parameters and you have to modify everything. It takes hours, if not days to optimize everything. But uh, uh, Artemis was different. Change from a finger size a foot to a actual sneaker, it's a huge difference, but we just put it on and it just works. So now uh, Nike sends us shoes uh, for free. <laughs> so, you know, if you've seen our uh, latest, uh, yeah, latest uh, videos of uh, Artemis is always uh, wearing Nikes. Currently, it's uh, wearing uh, wearing the uh, the very uh, popular Dunk Lows, right? We call it Pandas, the black and white Nike shoe. It's that's her favorite right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we change shoes and we don't change anything. Doesn't we don't have to change any parameters? It just works. I'm a loving father and a husband. Uh, that's more important. And, you know, of course, I'm a roboticist. Re doing research is important, but I would like to be remembered more as an educator. So in our lab, Romella, the Robotics and Mechanisms Laboratory at UCLA, of course, we build robots, we do research, we publish papers. But the most important outcome, the most important uh, uh, things from our lab is not our papers, not our robots, it's really our students. I want to build, you know, I want to make the, uh, the world a better place by pushing out great students that's going to be, uh, you know, leaders in the field of robotics and engineering. Uh, awesome. So we will talk about Artemis. I think that's uh, the newest creation in your lab, and I think it's very cool. Oh, yeah. But before that, I want to ask you about what is missing in robotics. You have been now in the field, I think, a long time ago, and you see a lot of iteration. What's missing? What's still missing in robotics? 
<laughs> so most of the audience watching this or listening to this podcast, I believe, are uh, in the field of robotics. And you might agree with me. Again, it might sound weird, but really everything, right? Robotics is such a uh, integrated uh, field that you need everything. And every time you have a breakthrough, you start to uh, you know see that things are missing. Uh, for example, we actually built a lot of uh, hardware prototypes that move, and they only last for 30 minutes. Of course, we need they have better energy sources. Uh, people are working on that. Uh, we also do a lot of leg locomotion, uh, um, walking two leg, three leg, four leg, six legs. Uh, because of that, we need better actuators. Uh, most of the robots that use today, as you all know, use uh, electric based uh, uh, actuators are server controllers uh, that does pos position control. We need better uh, torque force control compliant actuators like proprioceptive actuators. Uh, we have new technology, but still we, we, we need different type of more biologically inspired actuators. We need better materials, lighter weight, uh, more stronger uh, strength of rate ratio. Uh, more computing power is always great. So again, we need everything. <laughs> So I want to go again, the most interesting part, I think also in Artemis, the actuation. And you touched about the bear, the, the artificial muscle, resembled the biological artificial muscle. Can you tell us more about the design? And I, and I think that's the most interesting part in the, if we have artificial muscle resemble the biological one, that maybe shift the design paradigm. So tell us more about in Artemis, yeah. Yeah, so again, most of the robots that exist today are stiff position control robots, the industrial robots. Most of the robots are that. Uh, these are great for precise motion, uh, like assembly tasks. Those are great. However, when we want to have robots living and working next to humans, we need to have something more safer. Thus, we need to have compliant joints. And also, for especially for uh, uh, application where it, require, uh, where it goes through a lot of impact or uh, contact, then we need these kind of biological characteristic uh, actuators. Now, for the general public, I often use the term biological, uh, you know, artificial muscles, but uh, that could be a little bit misleading. These are not really biology-based or chemical-based. Uh, basically, uh, these are proprioceptive actuators. As you all probably know, uh, Professor Sangbae Kim from MIT really started this revolution with the MIT cheetah robot. Uh, so. Uh, regular position servos are electric motors with a huge gear ratio gear output. Uh, so motors are really fast but very weak in torque. What we need is we need to slow it down and increase the torque. Thus, we have these huge gearboxes or harmonic drives that like two, 200 to 1, 301 gear ratio that will up the torque and lower the speed. And that's great for position control. Uh, proprioceptive actuator are a little bit different. Uh, we now have these higher torque motors. We call that pancake motors that has really high diameters. And then we do, uh, the best scenario is to not have any gears at, uh, at all. But of course, in reality, we need to have some kind of gears. So have one to four, one to six gear ratio, really low gear ratio, a uh, 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 gearbox, and that's the output. So that's basically proprioceptive actuators. Now the advantage is because the gear ratio is so small, it's back drivable, which means that conventional servo motors, if you turn off the power, it doesn't move, it's stiff, right? So you cannot really do a, a torque control, a, a sense of torque from the, the, the motor side. If you have a very low gear ratio, then when you turn off the power, for example, then it's gonna go flop down because it's back drivable. If, if that's the case, we can use the current from the motor to do direct torque control, and that's a benefit. So if you use these kind of actuators, uh, you can easily do torque control. It's great for impact mitigation. You can do so many things. You can change all the uh, you know physical parameters just by software, and I think that's the best, uh, uh, the, the greatest advantage. 
There's some other approaches as well. As you'll probably know, uh, hydraulics is one way to do something similar to that. Another way is we call that a series elastic actuators, which is basically a position called servo, and at the end we have a compliant spring or some kind of like a rubber, some kind of compliant element to it. So that's another uh, approach. But we previously used a lot of uh, series elastic actuators. But again, it solves a problem, but it creates another one. Like for example, the control bandwidth is really bad, uh, really low. So uh, you know, there's still uh, propulsive actuator is not the best solution. We need better ones. But at this point, I believe that's the best way to go with uh, leg uh, robots that, re uh, that goes through impact. Amazing. So I want to go for your TED Talks. I thank you highlight the evolution of the robot you design. It's really cool that you go for like balloon design and then you go to a humanoid robot. And I'm curious about your mind. It seems that like, yes, we have a problem. Let's shift it to a new idea and just coming back to Artemis, which we'll cover. But can you tell us about the, the iteration and the, how it evolved in your lab? That's, let's go for design this or this. So uh, I have a dream. In the future, I would like to be living with robots. Robots doing the dishes, taking out the trash. It's all great, but... Uh, uh, I claim that for robots to be living in our environment, uh, the robot needs to be human shape and human size. And that's why we need human robots. Because if you look around, your, your stairs are a certain height for robots to walk up, your door handle is a certain height for humans to uh, open up, or for robots to use tools, the robots needs to be human uh, shape and size. And that's why we've been working on humanoid robots for a long time. So uh, uh, for the past 20 years, I've been working with humanoid robots. So these are some of the early humanoid robots that we uh, designed. Uh, for example, uh, this is called Darwin OP. You probably have some in your lab. Uh, it's an open source uh, uh, research education robot. Charlie is considered the United States' very first human robot. Thor already was uh, used for the DARPA Robotics Challenge. Sapphire is a firefighting human robot on Navy ships, and Thor and many, many ro uh, different type of big and small robots. More, probably more than a dozen different type of uh, robots that we developed in our lab. Now, however, uh, these, we have a lot of problems. Like, we all know that they constantly fall down. They're slow. Of course, we have now have technology that we can solve these kind of problems, but they're still very, very expensive. Uh, they're very complex. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that you agree. They're very dangerous. You don't want to be next to these robots that, you know, big robots moving around. But we need something. So uh, from this, so once I start to figure out, is there a way to make these bipedal robots solve all these problems? So th this is your typical humanoid robot. So I found something really interesting. When the robot walks forward, one of the reasons why it constantly falls out is because the left and right leg has this distance. And because your left, the legs go up and down and forward and backward, because of distance, it creates this unwanted torque or moment. That's what falls down. Uh, so you probably have seen these, uh, you know, um, robot competition. This is called the Robo One competition, especially a very popular in Japan. It's a robot fighting competition. But if you look at these robots, they are really fast and really uh, agile and they don't fall down. So if you look carefully, they walk sideways because if you walk sideways, what happens? Your left and right leg, they line up. So your twisting moment disappears. I actually got this uh, idea from watching TV, you know, fencing or ballet, they always walk sideways. So that was our thing. But the problem is you kind of use your uh, knees. So let's change this. And we do this, let's change the, the leg forward and we constantly evolve it and we have Nabi. You've probably seen this uh, the video, so I'm gonna quickly just uh, uh, show this. But yeah, so this is Nabi non-anthropic biped that walks uh, like this. Let me, you know, I don't wanna use all of our time, so I'm gonna quickly go through. I'm gonna show you the actual robot. 
So again, a very simple change. Just simply changing the orientation of the legs. Now we solve all the problems. It doesn't fall down. It's ridiculously simple. It's ridiculously stable. It can also jump and off. We solved a lot of problems. But the problem is, this can walk forward and backward, but it cannot change directions, right? So what do we do? Then let's have two of these navies stacked onto each other, and that is called uh, Alfred, Autonomous Leg Personal Helper Reward with Enhanced Dynamics. So it can walk with two legs like Navi, it can walk with four legs, it can change its configuration, can do many things. Uh, so then we developed this uh, actuator called Bear Actuator that we just talked about, Backdriver Electromagnetic Actuator Robots. So we replaced the actuators for the Navi uh, with these, and now we have Navi 2, right? So this one can now not only walk, but also got hop and jump. Uh, it's great. So. Uh, you can do all these things. Let me show you some fun stuff. Like uh, you've probably seen these uh, meme video floating around. We're trying to do uh, jump rope. <laughs> right, we have these fun stuff. So now it's time to uh, change uh, Alfred with this bear actuator. So we have Alfred too. Let me just quickly go past this and show you the actual video. So now it's really agile, it works, it walks very fast and stable. It can hop and jump, it can walk with two feet. And when it's walking with two feet, it can use its other two limbs for picking up objects or doing fun stuff like this, right? We talked about force control, so it can do knocking, which is actually kind of difficult, you might agree, as roboticists. Uh, but now it can hop and jump, and I guess we're having as much fun as we'll have. <laughs> yeah, so this sort of shows our, uh, you know, uh, our evolution of ideas. We have an uh, idea and then it's causing problems. How do you solve this? How do we come up with constantly creative ideas? But again, you can also use it for more uh, a useful tasks. So this is video is sped up, by the way. So you can walk with two feet, four feet. You can use this limbs for um, moving things. So yeah, these are some of the ideas and we constantly, uh, you know, innovate. Let me just show you. Of course, you've seen uh, six legs robots. We also have uh, climbing robots. Uh, you know, now we're interested in uh, vertical mobility. Vertical mobility. So it can also not only vertical walls, but also upside down. And you know, we we cannot we cannot not talk about balloon. <laughs> Let me just show you this. So this is a interesting problem. So can we actually solve this bipedal locomotion problem? We as I mentioned, they're slow. They fall down. They're expensive. They're complicated. Is there a way to solve it? Yes, we can. And this is called Baloo Buoyancy Assisted Lightweight Legged Unit. Because you, we all know that robots always fall down. Right? By the way, this is my son. This is an early version of Darren OP that I brought home. <laughs> so what if robots never fail? Or what if we can change the direction of gravity? Which does not make any sense. But we ask ourselves these ridiculous questions that ridiculous answers come out, which lead to innovation. So this robot, Baloo, is a human-sized bipedal locomotion robot. But the body is a helium balloon. It's crazy. It's a balloon with two legs. So by the way, it's not uh, lighter than air. It's still heavier than air, right? Uh, but it uses the buoyancy for stability. So, you know, some might argue that this is not really bipedal locomotion because the legs are not really holding the body up. But nonetheless, it walks with two feet. So, hey, <laughs> I call it bipedal locomotion. So yeah, it constantly uh, evolves. And you can go over it. I can spend more than an hour talking about these robots. But uh, I just want to show you that we come up with an idea, 
there's a problem. We try to solve the problem from that. We come up with a different idea, and it constantly evolves. And I think so far, you know, we developed more than 40, 50 robots in our lab, all different shapes and sizes, morphologies. Yeah. So, what did you what did you learn from all these before going to Artemis? That what is the common thing is that you learn because you have goals be locals that one of the thing is in energy and all these things what you learn uh what i learned is this uh what there's always hurdles when you're doing research i mean if it's if there's a if you know that there's a solution we don't call that research if you know it there's a solution we call that homework research is something that you do not know if it's possible or not but you you, you go for it right that is what we call research so in our lab we do not do our homework we actually do our research so we do not know if it's going to work but we, we give it a try. And so many times we, I teach this to our students. So this is where I am and I know my destination. I want to go there. Like I'm going hiking, right? Sometimes there's a uh, big puddle of water or there's a cliff that I have to go around. There's a huge, uh, you know, a mound that it's difficult to climb to so go around. But you go around and while doing that, uh, even though I know my destination is over there, sometimes I find something new, something different. Or sometimes I find a completely different place that is actually better than the destination that I wanted to go to, then that could be a better solution. So we're not afraid to uh, challenge different things and try new things. And if, if there's a failure or things don't work out, that's fine. We take that. We learn from it because if you fail, if you have a failure, if you give up, then that's the end of the story. But if you use that as the learning experience becomes a stepping stone for the success. And that's what we do in our lab. And you know, that's how we come up, come up with uh, innovation. Excellent. So I want to go to Artemis here. What, from your experience, we have now, yeah, that's I think the juicy part here. And, and also made the claims uh, about the robustness. For example, we see the Atlas by Boston Dynamics. I think it's really interesting that the claims you made. So before starting, so Artemis uh, stands for, let me actually show you this. Artemis stands for Advanced Robotics Technology for Enhanced Mobility and Improved Stability. It's a humanoid robot that, it's the, our, the latest humanoid robot that we are very, very excited. Uh, so I actually have to be honest, um, I've been doing human and robot research for more than 20 years. And again, I, still I truly believe, I always tell people that, you know, I would like to have robots living in our, you know, home. And to do that, I believe that human needs, uh, robots to be human shape and size. However, if you asked me this question like three years ago, I would have said, yeah, that's still our goal. That's my dream. But there's a chance that this actually, possibly it's not going to happen during my lifetime, but we need to start now to make it happen sometime. So actually my my uh, expectation of when was very, very conservative. I thought it's gonna happen really, really uh, 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 far in the future. However, with the success of Artemis and how it's performing, I'm starting to change my thoughts and maybe the human robots living with us is actually much closer than at least what I've been thinking. Uh, Artemis is a human robot. It's a constant evolution for the past 20 years uh, from you know Darwin, Charlie, Thor, Thor, P, Sapphire, all these robots. But this robot uses that proprioceptive actuator that, that I just talked about. So it's it's compliant actuation. Uh, it can run. It can walk 2.1 meters per second. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the fastest walking humanoid robot in the world so far. Uh, running, it might be the fastest running humanoid robot, but we just don't have enough uh, space to test it. Uh, just last week, we started to uh, bring it outdoors in the UCLA campus in the uh, the IM, the soccer field, uh, the, the track field, and we started to do experiments outdoors. But we believe that this might be the fastest running robots as well. But we're very, very excited. Uh, 
You mentioned about Boston Dynamics robot. Of course, Boston Dynamics Atlas robot. We all have seen it. It's the greatest. Everybody agrees that this is the de facto the greatest at this point, the greatest robot that exists today. But I I uh, make a bold claim that our humanoid robot could be uh, a contender for Atlas. I, I'll carefully say that. Uh, of course, Atlas robots uh, uses hydraulics, so there's no way uh, Atlas can. Uh, sorry, Artemis can. Uh, be stronger, uh, more powerful. However, in terms of speed of usability, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but this robot can walk, jump, and moves boxes. Uh, you push, kick. You know, you've seen all those standard tests that you push. They walk on rubble pile. We take it outdoors on campus. It walks on, you know, you know, on the grass without tethers, by the way. And that's a big thing. You know, we robotics, we all agree doing uh, a robot experiments outdoors without tethers that's a that's a statement <laughs> so we're we're at that point right now excellent maybe quickly about the hydraulic because you mentioned hydraulic and i think uh, we had an episode with bill jackson if you know him the founder of uh, uh, the creator of emica robots but he said the hydraulic experience was pretty hot and that's something i think advantage that you have beer actuator here but another question about the noise also how do you think about noise since you need low cost and noise? But if you want to show the video first, then maybe you can discuss the noise and low cost. You can show the video first if you want. Oh, yeah, sure. Let me show you some. Uh, so let me show you an uh, Artemis video. Uh, okay. So you can see the stability. I'll show my face here too. So you can show the stability. If you see it, we're not bathing it. We're actually kicking it. We're actually kicking it. Uh, all right. So uh, sideways, uh, for those who do, uh, uh, you know, uh, let me go back. You know, for those who do bipedal locomotion, you probably know that sideways is more difficult because if you push it, when the feet they can't collide each other. Uh, but sideways, uh, you know, it's uh, front and backward kicking uh, disturbance is much more stable. But sideways, not not bad. Uh, again, we're pushing it, pulling it, and one more time, we're not. We're really trying to kick it, and my students, they uh, quote unquote, they say. We cannot make it fall down is what they said. <laughs> and you all probably know RoboCup, the International Autonomous Robot Soccer Competition. Uh, so we are five-time uh, world champions in this competition. And we're, this year we're going to Bordeaux, France with this robot. So we're toughening up with the, uh, soccer as well. You know, let me show you some different... Uh, 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 the, the 50 millimeter, uh, 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 you know, uh, platform. It's not using perception right now, so it's just walking over it or on rubble pile. So again, with, even without uh, uh, perception, it's just using. Uh, so uh, it's so the point is that it's very very robust. Uh, uh, and again, let me show you. Uh, this video shows it's walking uh, in on in our uh, building. I think this was like 260 meters nonstop. Uh, it's autonomous. You can probably see uh, the. Let me show you. So this is the perception system. You can see how Artemis perceives the world while walking in the. Uh, uh, you know, in the lab. Yeah. So yeah, it uh, walks up to 2.1 meters per second. That's what we reported in the lab. This is 1.2 meters per second. Let's up it 1.4 meters per second. It goes faster. Now look at my student who's moving the gantry now now it's 1.6 now he has to start to run or gallop <laughs> 1.8 and 2.1 and it goes faster and faster it can also literally run as you know running means that there's a flight phase with two feet off the ground uh running is not yet that stable so we still got a lot of work to do but it does run without feathers 
and again moving boxes by the way it's an empty box right this is just the, uh to show the concept of this it's not it doesn't have any hands right now uh or bigger boxes we're having too much fun with this <laughs> no. what about pushing carts of yeah yeah i can push carts we just but this one we just made it walk into the cart we didn't do any uh different type of behavior right and now again uh you would agree this is the this is a big uh claim right using bipedal robots outdoors without any cables or tethers this is a big big statement and we do this uh, every two weeks minimum so we bring it outdoors in the camp and uh, to campus and students come and they greet and meet uh the robot and they take selfies it's a lot of fun too that's really impressive. Maybe I want to go for the leg design because you mentioned in, in yeah in leg design you mentioned that optimization and how you come up with the shape of the leg of design. Can you tell us about the optimization here? So uh, let's start with the easy stuff first. Of course, the audience are roboticists, but you probably all know this. But generally, uh, for the layperson, the general public, when I talk about bipedal robots, uh, they constantly falling down on the, the instability. General public or regular, you know, the layperson might think that oh. Why don't you lower the center of gravity and make the feet heavy? Then it's going to be stable. Or they might say, oh, why did, you, why did you make the foot so small? But the foot is the size of a finger for Artemis. But, but we do now have shoes, by the way. Uh, and then why don't you make the foot really big? Wouldn't that make it stable? Uh, that's true if it's a static structure. But this is a dynamic moving robot. And for these type of bipedal robots, you want to have the distal, uh, the further away from the center of gravity, go closer to your foot you want to make it lower mass as possible because the part that's really moving when you move your legs and these are the feet you want to have the feet as light as possible so we try to reduce the mass and try to bring the center of gravity towards your belly button so to speak right so to do that we have different techniques for example typically a human robot leg a single leg has six degrees of freedom most all human robots do that but artemis we have five degrees of freedom we intentionally gave up on one degree of freedom and that's the roll of the ankle so the foot only has pitch it doesn't have roll which is i think is okay for what we're trying to do the reason why we got rid of one degrees of freedom is because we want to reduce the mass distal mass and also we're trying to pull the most of the heavy things which are the actuators towards the center so uh if you look at the hip, let me actually show you here. If you look at the hip, you see that this big disc right over there, right? Those are the, uh, the, the big bear actuators. Now you can see two for the left hip and two for the right hip. One is for the leg pitch. The other one is actually for the knee. So we have a linkage system uh, to bring the actuator for the knee up towards the hip. Same thing for the pitch for the ankle. We move it towards the, the knee. So we try to move heavy stuff up upstream so to speak uh and also the late the 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 link design and let me show, show you if i have a cool video of that all right so yeah let me just it from here okay so you can see because this is a brand new technology you cannot buy components so every single part piece we design and build in-house so this is our five axis CNC machine we cut our own gears design our power electronics, motor controllers, everything except for bolts and nuts, cameras and computers. We design everything, including our foot contact sensor. But look at the part. This is art. I find this sexy. Now, the reason why these parts look so organic is because we use uh, topology optimization when we design things. Uh, look, at, look at this part. This is the femur, right? 
Yeah. So uh, what we do is in the computer CAD, first of all, we give the all the possible uh, the boundary volume of we want the part can go into, right? And then based on that, we give all the loading conditions, and the company spit out, spits out a, a optimized topology, and based on that, we do iteration. And the uh, result of that is this uh, the links that looks very organic, and you know, it works perfectly. It's the, the lightest weight for uh, what's can handle the, the loading conditions. So we're very happy and very proud. question about the shoes why did you choose to have a shoe in the robot is it a reason for that yeah as I, I briefly mentioned uh big our previous humanoid robots had big flat plates as feet right and those are good if you're doing position control on smooth hard even surfaces but if it's not that kind of condition then it's not good as you can imagine if a rough surface and a rigid plate you know you, your contact point is unpredictable and changes so you, the next, the more the recent uh, generation robots, uh, dynamic robots, you see a lot of point feet. And because it's a point contact, it's much easier to model. Uh, we wanted to do a little bit go beyond that. So we have pretty small feet. So our feet, do I have it here? It's the size of a finger or a pen, right? So we have two, two feet like this. So that was our original design. And we have a silicone uh, uh, molding case, uh, or, or like a slipper over that finger sized uh, foot. And that's what we've been uh, uh, using. And then our result was, let me show you quickly, show you some. Oh, but I also have a lot of blooper videos <laughs> that I have not shown. Let me see. The feet are very slippery. Let me show you it again. Right? They're slippery. Uh, so we decided to, one day we said, oh, what, you know, shoes, athletic shoes, sneakers are designed for these kind of tasks. It's optimized for that. So why not just use sneakers? Uh, so we put on a sneaker. We just need to, uh, you know, 3D print out a simple insert from that aluminum metal finger-sized foot to the foot shape. We just is put it on, and you know, it took us like a few hours. And we put a shoe on. It walks, and it walks much better. The grip is great, much more stable, much more faster. So like, uh, so if you've been in this field for bipedal locomotion, you probably know that every time you change the slightest thing, link length, mass property, something different. You have to change all the parameters and you have to modify everything. It takes hours, if not days, to optimize everything. But uh, uh, Artemis was different. Change from a finger size uh, foot to a actual sneaker, it's a huge difference, but we just put it on and it just works. So now uh, Nike sends us shoes uh, for free. <laughs> so, you, if you've seen our uh, latest, uh, yeah, latest uh, videos of uh, Artemis is always uh, wearing Nikes. Currently it's uh, wearing, uh, wearing the, uh, the very uh, popular Dunk Lows, right? We call it Pandas, the black and white Nike shoe. It's, that's her favorite right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we change shoes and we don't change anything. Doesn't, we don't have to change any parameters, it just works. Now, that's a brilliant. This is really brilliant. Yeah. Uh, maybe another question about the noise and energy. Maybe about the noise, because we speak about the Atlas robot and, and the, it's a pretty hard experience to use hydraulic, but also noise. 
What, what do you think about the noise here element? Yeah, so again, one disclaimer. Uh, of course, I'm a mechanical engineer. I know about a lot of things, including actuations, and that's my field of study. But I have to disclaimer that I actually personally have never used a hydraulic system or developed a robot using hydraulics. So my uh, uh, experience and knowledge is based on what I've learned and what I've seen with my colleagues who are working with hydraulic systems. So with that disclaimer, uh, uh, hydraulic systems at this point, at today, at this point, the, if you want power, hydraulic system is the way to go because you cannot, electric-based system still cannot beat in terms of power density hydraulics. And I believe that that's why Boston Dynamics is using hydraulics. Uh, they have their new type of uh, uh, hydraulic motors, which are fantastic. But again, with my understanding, for hydraulic systems, you need to have, it becomes very difficult to design and package. You need to have uh, this plumbing, you need to have accumulator, you have to have the compressor, and this compressor is very, very noisy. Uh, energy efficiency is also a problem. So it has its own share of problems. It's also very messy. Uh, it's very difficult to avoid leakage uh, 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 for a hydraulic system. So it's not that practical for indoors use or next to humans. Uh, but again, if you look at outdoors, you know, your crane and, you know, these uh, uh, excavators, they use hydraulics. So still it's good for outdoor, like big, big messy stuff. It's still fine. But uh, my goal is to have robots living with us in this human environment. Thus, we want to go with electric, uh, electromechanic, um, uh, 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 magnetic, uh, base, basically electric motor-based system. So that's what we're doing. If you've seen some of our uh, Artemis robot videos, a lot of people ask us this question. Wow, it makes this, like, every time we watch, we're like, clack, clack, clack sound and you know if you it, because our robot feeders are very fascinating once you start watching you cannot you know take your eyes off so in your in your head it constantly even after you, after you turn off the video you constantly hear this click 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 sound now that a lot of people think that click click sound is from the feet hitting the ground but that's not the case the feet hitting the ground that's fine it's really the the bare actuator because of the rotary actuator it needs to really uh, nearly instantly change the direction and that's from the uh, uh uh, the backlash from the gear. It needs to go like clack, clack, clack. That's where the sound happens. Again, because we designed and we manufactured all the gears in-house by ourselves, it cannot be perfect. So I think that's where uh, we can make improvements. But again, the sound for me, it, it's like music. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, it's not from the feet hitting the ground. It's from the gears instantly changing the direction. So that's the sound, noise issue. Interesting. So I, 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 I we, we, we have dance to the beat, like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know we don't have so much time, but I will ask you the question: What are the next steps for Artemis? What's your next plan or improvement? <coughs> sure. Uh, uh, many things. Again, I, I, I made some bold claims, and I, uh, you know, talked a lot about Artemis. Again, uh, truly, that's what I believe. It's great. I think this is the direction. This is the beginning of something great. I truly believe that. But still, we have a long way to go. Uh, we are actually pretty much satisfied with the walking locomotion. I think it's stable enough to be used safely in public uh, spaces around people. I mean, that's why we bring it out in the, the campus and things like that. But uh, uh, we want to break the Guinness World Record in the fastest running human-aid robot. And we believe it might already be stay uh, fast enough to do that. We just haven't tested it. And running, compared to walking, uh, it's not that stable enough to do that. So we want to do that just so we can break the world record. Aha, that would be fun. Uh, but... Um, it is going to fall, so uh, if it, because it's going to be, uh, it, it is going to fall. We want to make it when it falls. We want to make it fall safely, 
there's a lot of techniques and things that we're technology that we're thinking about and once it's, it has fallen it needs to stand up on its own so we're also looking into that uh, mechanically of course it has it's designed to do parkour jumping and flipping mechanically it has the power the strength to do all these crazy hyper dynamic locomotion uh, but again, it's gonna take time to actually utilize the, the, the full power of it. We're still using less than 40% of its uh, power. So we still can do a lot of things. Uh, the robot, uh, again, has the mechanical ability to climb up stairs, but we have not implemented that yet. So climbing up stairs would be something that we wanna work on. Uh, it does have an upper body, the arms and head moves, but the arms are really not really being used. We do use, try to do counterbalance uh, for stability, but it turns out that the, the arms, the inertia is so low, it doesn't have much effect, so that's not useful. Uh, but it's not designed for manipulation, or I would say our focus is in the locomotion right now. Manipulation is not our current uh, focus, but yeah, of course, if you want to have these robots do real, uh, you know, useful tasks, it needs to do manipulation. So as you've probably seen, the robot does not have any hands, so probably gonna put on hands. We, by the way, we do have many hands developed in-house. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but we are not going to put hands on Artemis until we believe that we can use these hands in a meaningful way. Okay, we can put hands right now. It's gonna do all these things, but uh, we don't think it's ready to do meaningful manipulation. So manipulation comes probably later. That's not our current focus. But again, besides, even with these just ball, you know, rubber ball things, it can pick up boxes and move and. You know that's pretty cool for me <laughs> yeah but uh more of an immediate goal as i mentioned uh this july 2023 july robocop the international autonomous robot soccer competition we're going with artemis uh so we're very excited so we're testing things so our our immediate goal for the next uh, few months is just putting all of our effort and make sure these robots kick run do all the you know uh, you know, I'll, I'll save for the next next interview or for our next podcast. I'll save the uh, the soccer stuff for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you want robot not to fail. For example, it's already could fail and how to self right itself. But the, how how you imagine robot to be more robust in failure, like failure and also falling, also both and also safety component. As you yeah. So there's two things. One is if it falls, how to make it fall safely. And before that is try to make it not fall at all. So there's two different uh, approaches. Try to not fall at all is what we're trying to do. Try to make it robust, uh, you know, resistance against external uh, 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 disturbance and things like that. We've been working on that. And again, as I mentioned, we're pretty uh, happy with where we, are, where we are. I don't know if you saw in the video, but when it walks autonomously, when it went through the door, uh, the, the very narrow door, uh, to our lab it actually bumped its uh, shoulder at the door uh the the wall and it was pr perfectly fine and you've seen us push on everything so we're actually very happy with uh not you know uh this uh, uh resistance against disturbance but now we want to focus on how to make it fall safely uh of course once you so think about humans right when you think you oh then there's many different techniques that we just use instant you know uh an instant use or something or like whoa use your arms like a flywheel or sometimes when you slip you take a you jump or actually take a big step like that to uh, rebalance yourself or sometimes you cannot do anything then you just don't like some of the e, most of the e-stop switches just cut the power but that's not how it should be an emergency it should have it uh, the damping mode so you actually fall down slowly 
or when you slow down, or when you fall down, you probably can tuck your, uh, you know, your body like this, or possibly, you know, brace yourself. So there's many different techniques, or many things, many approaches that we can uh, uh, employ and uh, uh, use. And those are some of the research tasks that we want to do. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Maybe a quick question because I know we don't have so much time. A few minutes. The human robot markets now because now there's a lot of interest in the market. I'm curious. How do you see, and, you, and, and I know that you have been involved before, but I don't want to talk since you're not comfortable about that. But I, I don't, I want to ask you, since you now have Artemis and the market, and there's a lot of competitors now, released humanoid robots, so tell us. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's a little bit sensitive topic for me to publicly say things because I might or might not be involved with certain co- uh, a certain company and things like that. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, if you asked me three years ago, uh, I would say like, oh, the human robots doesn't make any sense as a market right now. They're still dangerous. They're expensive. You know, all the things I talked about, they fall down. They're, you know, doesn't make any sense. But now I'm starting to change my thought a little bit. But still as a product, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of smart people, successful business people are starting. You, know, you probably know, you know Boston Dynamics is more like a research long-term project, but you know, Tesla is actually doing it. Figure.ai, Figure, you probably know. Uh, Aptronics, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's many. Agility Robotics, which I actually have the highest respect uh, uh, for their work as well. There's many other companies. These are all smart business people as well. So I guess there is a business case. I'm not exactly sure, but at least technology-wise, actually, we're actually getting close. But just because your robot can do all those tasks does not mean it's going to be a successful business. But I'm not an expert at the business side, so I'll, I'll leave, leave it leave it there and do you think that every human should have a humanoid robot since you your vision or your dream that we have a humanoid robot at our home do you believe that everyone should have a humanoid robot uh de- depends when <laughs> today absolutely no i don't trust our robots i don't have any robots out of my home i don't trust our robots way in the future you know without giving me a, a, a year or something like that well if the robot when it's really stable and useful and it's economically makes sense, then yeah, why not? You know, we all know that uh, we build robots for what? The three Ds, the dull, dirty, dangerous. Things that humans shouldn't be doing or cannot do or don't want to do, let the robots do it. And as I mentioned, humanoid robot form is the most general form. So why not have a humanoid robot at home and do make it do all the things that we don't want to do? So the answer is yes, when we have these type of robots, which is probably still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. One question about Master Chef, then, so you have also activities beyond the academia and research. Do you also think about robots, then, so you see robots in the kitchen and you have this experience? Can, it, can it just so quickly? Yeah, so uh, just uh, for people who don't know me, I'm also a hobbyist, a pretty serious gourmet chef. I, you know, when friends and family come over, I do like eight course degustation menu. I was on Master Chef USA season four as well. Don't look it up, it's kind of embarrassing, but I was actually on there. Uh, so I do a lot, I cook every day at home, by the way. Uh, so there are great chefs in the world. There are great roboticists in the world, but there's not a lot of good chefs who are also roboticists. I'm one of them. Thus, uh, I haven't really talked publicly about it, but we do have a pretty big uh, multi-million dollar project for a cooking robot funded by a Korean company, uh, but uh, we're not supposed to tell too much about it, but I can say that the project is called Project Yori, Y-O-R-I. Uh, it's not a single tasker cooking robot. Theoretically, it can cook anything. I'll just put it that way. And it doesn't cook like humans. I'll just Because most of the robots that you've probably seen, 
you know, they, they try to mimic how human this robot even doesn't have, doesn't even have hands and it uses yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully again next year when you do another podcast, I'll be able to show or I'll invite you over. You probably want to have some uh, your lunch. The robots will be cooking lunch for you. How's so that? that's a promise. That's a promise. I- I'm in. So I- uh, I'm not a promise because you don't know if we're gonna be successful. I'll say it's a wish. <laughs> Sounds good. Yes. So any final words to people listening? Just uh, we're closing now. So any final words you'd like to say to people? Yeah. So uh, this is just for more of the younger generation of the general public. I know that most of the people here are roboticists, but again, I started when I was seven years old. This is a true story. I watched the movie Star Wars, the first one, episode four, for the first time in the man's Chinese theater. You know, all the lightsabers and all the spaceships completely blew me away. But in the movie, the two droids, they call it droids, the R2D to the one that looks like a trash can and C3PO, the R, you know, the human robot, completely blew my mind. And on my way home in the car, I told my mom and dad, I want to grow up to become a robot scientist and I followed my dream and I'm here today. So, you know, follow your dreams. You know, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not the richest person <laughs> in the world, but I can, you know, safely say that, uh, I'm probably one of the happiest person on this planet. So follow your dreams. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I just a great honor to to you and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, next time, do come to our lab. You should meet and see our robots walking, jumping, rollings. It's a robot zoo. It's, it's fantastic here.